babies, and welcome to Poker in the Airs. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy Thanksgiving, Joe. I couldn't go with anything else. And I also feel it is appropriate because we are focusing on poker in the USA this week. Poker in the ears in the USA. Happy Thanksgiving, James. I just wanted to say real quick, I was thinking of this yesterday, that I am very thankful for the work I get to do, the people I get to work with, the whole team we have at Poker Stars getting to do this show, all the broadcasts we do. And I just wanted to express that here on uh, Thanksgiving Eve, how thankful I am for what a fucking stupid life I get to have. I was going to say, that's enough of the earnestness. Let's get back to the ridiculousness <laughs> of a poker podcast. Coming up on today's show, it's time for our semi-semi-annual streamer special. Uh, PokerStars recently added a new streamer to the team, uh, streaming out of PokerStars Michigan, uh, and his name is also a letter. K? David K. Yes, K-A-Y-E, just for the avoidance of doubt. And uh, we're talking to David today, get to know him a little bit, find out exactly what his deal is. Get it? Deal. It's a poker pun. Uh, yeah, I got it. Just ignoring it. And speaking of poker, since it is a poker podcast, I played some of it. Live poker. And I think we're going to do a, a strategy segment? It, yeah, we're I, kind of like part event recap, part Joe talks about some hands he butchered. Yeah, that, that, that's on the agenda for today. I, I guess we're doing strategy now, which I think it might be a good thing to incorporate a little strategy in the show and strategy at our level. Yes, absolutely. Stuff which I do think people can learn from, whether it is just basic strategic concepts or just don't do this at home. Yes, exactly. So I played some hands. A professional poker player reviewed some of them for me. I'm going to tell you about them. We'll see what you think. Then we'll see what the pro says. We'll see how close we all came. Does that sound cool? It sounds cool. Okay, great. Oh, 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 and I accidentally ax angle shot somebody while I you was there. You teased this on the live stream on Monday. This I need to know. This has to precede any actual proper hand history. Yeah, no get. problem. When we get there, though, I'm teasing it now, and we'll get to yes, it in a minute. Yes, yes. Uh, this week's super fan is Alfie Bipatra, which oddly enough sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Alfie Bipatra. Anyway, uh, he has challenged me to the film Harry Potter and the Chamber Pot of Secrets. That's just my little joke. Was that not the movie? No, that was not the movie. It was the first one. <laughs> the first one. The Sorcerer's Stone, a.k.a. Slash Philosopher's Stone. Yes. Uh, speaking of movies, I forgot. I did mention this briefly on the uh, broadcast, but I thought I'd bring it up again. Um, I watched this movie called See How They Run, and I absolutely loved it. It's uh, Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan. It's a mystery about the 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 the, the show The Mousetrap. You know that really famous play on the West End. Yes, I I, I went to see it within the last twelve months for the first time. Really, it's it's like a murder mystery that takes place backstage at the murder mystery. Nice. I've seen the posters for this, actually. I saw it advertised when it first came out in cinemas. Yes, I do want to see this. And I thought uh, and Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Rona have really, really great chemistry together. Um, awesome. Oh, yeah. thank you for the recommendation. I was going to see it, and now I will definitely see it. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, did we Look, we used to be big Marvel guys. We used to always go see the Marvel shit the second it got released. You haven't seen Wakanda forever. I had the opportunity to go last weekend, and I just was not feeling it. I'm sorry. I'm getting really bored of the MCU. I'm kind of over it. I, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm bored and over it, but I'm. I'm. Don't feel motivated to go to the theater to see it. Like if it 
came out on yeah. Disney Plus over the weekend, I probably would have watched it. Yeah, exactly. That's the way I feel about it. I guess we should have asked Griffin on Monday night because I guarantee you he'll have seen it. Um, and I need to ask how the Sunday Million finished on Monday. I always have to ask this follow-up question because I'm never there till the end. I, I got the impression, Joe, that you didn't have to grind this out for too many hours. It was moving at a much quicker pace than the previous week. Yes, it did. Um, we, As you know, we got to the final table within two and a half hours. Yes. Uh, play slowed down a tiny bit when we got there, um, which is totally understandable. Uh, Meta Lindeberg got eliminated in eighth place. Uh, chips were flying all over the place. And then this guy, Limpigutin, uh, just got a huge chip lead with five the Norwegian people. Norwegian play. Yep. Yeah, from Norway, yes, with five players remaining and uh, ended up winning the thing. They had like a seven-to-one chip lead over this Polish player named ZLT uh, when the heads-up started, which was really actually kind of cool is that ZLT made some really crazy tight folds in some spots. And then we uh, thank you to Statric for uh, reminding me of everything that happened, as well as the fact that this guy, guy, I shouldn't say, this person, ZLT from Poland, um, qualified for $2.20. Oh, their that's biggest, so cool. Yeah, their biggest ever live score was $189. And Amazing. Managed to sort of fold their way to second place. And, you know, look, when you get to heads up, even if you have a 7-1 chip lead, you've got a shot at the win. So they did not close out the win. But my guess is that the uh, 54,000 or plus that they got plus their bounties was probably a pretty score for that person, given the folds we saw them making. Absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about the fact that we're going to be streaming EPT Prague in mid-December. There are two more Sunday Million streams before the end of the year. Uh, Joe, our last Sunday Million stream will be on Monday, the 28th of November. And then the first week of December, Nick Walsh is going to be handling proceedings before we all go to Prague to close out 2022. So you can join us again on Monday, the 28th for more action from the Sunday Million. Um, let's keep talking online poker right now because we are going to chat to someone who plays and streams poker from the state of Michigan. Yes, we've got the newest pro on the PokerStars roster on the podcast. Please welcome David Kay. Hello, David. Hello, James. Good to see you. Joe, thanks for having me on. Yeah, wow. Okay, look at this. I mean, I don't know if you guys are probably listening to the podcast. We've got a, uh, someone that hasn't been broken by the by poker yet. He's just a bright, shining face. You can tell yeah. he's new. Maybe give me six months. Six months. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, well, we need to know the David K story. Um, what is your origin story, David? Where did you come from? How did you get into poker? What is your background? Yeah, so I've grown up and lived in the United States my whole life, specifically the state of Michigan. I uh, started playing poker in 2010 with a bunch of my high school friends, just a simple like $5 home game. Uh, somebody had watched the World Series of Poker on TV, and we all got hooked to play for the whole summer. Uh, I eventually went off to college, started playing like small and micro stake uh, tournaments online on poker stars back when the U S was in the player pool with everybody, um, right before that had to go away, unfortunately. And, uh, from there, you know, just kind of play mostly small stakes tournaments and then eventually kind of transition into live cash games, which I got more into, uh, that was about through 2020. And then obviously COVID changed the world and shut the world down, uh, which is kind of where a lot of this like kind of started. Um, so at that point I started playing more online, consuming a lot more poker content. Um, and then eventually had the crazy idea of starting up a stream and a YouTube channel myself. And then, uh, you know, just played mostly cash games, some tournaments from there. I still had a full-time job at the point and no plans of ever playing poker, doing content full-time. It was just like 
purely like a COVID lockdown project to do like the streaming stuff. And then it just picked up quite a bit. The, the regulation in the U.S. was picking up specifically in Michigan where I was at. And then uh, probably like 13, 14 months later, I decided to go full time with poker and contents. And then uh, a little over a year later, here we are officially signing with Poker Stars, which is uh, truly a dream come true. It's really exciting. I mean, that's obviously an incredible synopsis of many years. So let's just go back and pick out yeah. some of the key story Good points. Call. When you say you transitioned into live cash games, uh, forgive me for not really knowing about the live poker scene in most parts of America. Is that still in Michigan or do you have to go kind of further afield to play live poker? Uh, it's still in Michigan. Uh, we don't have necessarily like the high stakes cash games for live. So there's a lot of like one, two or two fives. So, like the biggest cash game you could play is usually about a thousand dollar buy-in. Um, for the most part, if you want to play like uh, bigger stakes than that, there's a few places across the country for live poker, but Michigan's not really one of them for that. Um, but it worked well for what I was doing at the time. Again, I was just playing for fun as a hobby. I took it serious, but obviously not like at a professional level. So it's not like I should be playing like high stakes at that point. Um, but uh, it was enough to, you know, have me have like a really good hobby, make some side income on the side and, you know, just a overall great thing to do in my free time. What was it that you left behind uh, when you decided to go to full-time streaming? Yeah. So for the five years previously, I'd worked in data. Uh, so basically job titles would be like data specialist, data administrator. So tasks could range anywhere from stuff as simple as like data entry, data integrity, up to more like complex stuff. They'd be like data analysis, data governance. So for four of the years, I worked with a manufacturing company. And then for one year, I worked with a, a medical board. I mean, this is a perfect background for being an online poker player. You're just a huge numbers nerd. Exactly. The, the the data comes through quite a bit, especially when you're just doing like a lot of studying and like understanding and kind of like pattern recognition, I think is the biggest thing. So like when you see the numbers starting to tell a story, you just, you jump to it right away. Um, so there's definitely some crossover between the two for sure. Sounds like severance when you say pattern recognition, where you're just like, oh yeah, the numbers will look scary to you and you have to remove them. Um, okay. So, so studying, you, you are, you're a bit of a student as well. You're not just out there clowning around um, would you say that your streams are more uh, strategy based or personality based or, or both? Um, I would set, definitely say more towards the strategy based. Um, I would say I'm like when I'm playing poker, I would say I'm pretty serious. We still have fun in the Twitch chat, but I'm definitely like a very competitive person. And although I'm definitely not a perfect poker player, I try my best to do as good as I can. And, you know, I do take the game very seriously and try to do the best. So I would say it's very strategy based. But, you know, we like to have a laugh. A uh, big thing on our stream is everybody loves to slow roll me. So that's a huge thing we like to do. And then, uh, you know, I get to slow roll some friends to stream back if they give me the green light. So, you know, most of it's pretty serious strategy stuff, but we like do like to have some fun as well. It is incredible how many people got into content creation almost as a, a hobby, a way to pass the time, a way to distract themselves during the pandemic, during the various lockdowns, and how many people have kept it going. And for you, the fact that that's now what you do. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. If you would have told me two and a half years ago, like, first of all, that would be playing poker professionally, I would have laughed at you. Um, and then the idea that I'd even be streaming or that it'd be my full-time job would be even more hilarious. But, uh, you know, life just has a crazy way of throwing curveballs at you. And like, this is just, it's been the greatest thing to ever happen to you from a professional standpoint. Uh, it's still hard to believe, but, you know, it's uh, something I love doing and look forward to doing for hopefully a very long time. Was there an emotional aspect to deciding this too? Like, I know a lot of people like, let's take poker or stand up for example a lot of people were like life is short i've always had this dream of doing this and this and you know what i'm gonna go for it i know that you you know obviously just sort of had the time to do this but was there like a was there a desire to to be out there to be a performer in some way 
Um, not at first, I would say. So like when I was, I'd kind of thought about it for a few months before I'd actually started streaming myself. It was truly just like do something for fun during a project. But within like very quickly, like three or four weeks, I was like, wow, this is so fun. Like I love playing poker. I love the streaming thing. There might be one or two viewers in chat, but you know, having anybody there watching and interacting while you're playing is really fun. Um, so I thought, wow, if I ever had a chance to do this, you know, full time, I would love to do it, which is like a quick change in a three to four week span, but it still wasn't like a realistic thing. It's like the pipe dream of like, Hey, I want to be a professional athlete. Right. So it was never, you know, at that point, it's not like a realistic hope, but then as like time went on and I was getting better at poker, having better results, the channel was growing both on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, it started seeming more and more realistic until the point where I decided at least, you know, try to give it a full-time run. Um, I've been very lucky in past careers. I never had a miserable job. I know a lot of people, unfortunately, go through those kind of situations. Oh, that is lucky. Yeah, but I never really loved what I was doing either. It was more of the jobs were good because I liked the people I worked with. Uh, but like, I always felt like there could be something better kind of thing. Uh, and then, you know, fortunately, this has worked out and been the direction I've been able to go. Uh, a couple of key questions to kind of get a sense of the, the, the of the state of things right now. We'll talk about poker in America in just a moment. Let's talk about the state of Twitch poker. And a lot of people are drawing attention to the uh, broadcast that Lex did recently, where he talked very openly about how his relationship with Twitch has changed, his attitude towards ch Twitch has changed. Do you think, based on what he was saying there, that poker on Twitch has a future? Yeah, I think anything with content creation and Twitch and YouTube, it's still such a new genre. Like the idea that, you know, Twitch has been around for, I'm not exactly sure, but it's within the last 10 years, I'd imagine. Yeah. That's still really new. There's not a lot of data to go back on. So in the new market like this, it's there's a lot of unpredictability. Like we don't know. Obviously, there's the scare for the moment with uh, poker on Twitch. But, you know, I think that part was obviously you don't want that situation to come up to begin with. But I think in a odd way, kind of a win in the sense of that they recognize poker is different from other gambling games, yeah, correct? which, you know, so, I mean, even though you didn't want that situation to happen with the fact that they differentiated the two, I think is a massive win for poker. Um, what it means on the platform going in the future, my guess is as good as anybody's, but I feel pretty confident that, you know, like if something were to happen with Twitch, there's other places to pivot live streaming content. Um, it's a huge reason why I've been really active on YouTube is in case something happens on the Twitch side, as long as YouTube content is making sure to kind of, you know, not putting all my eggs in one basket in a sense and just kind of diversifying within that sense because I there's so much unpredictability, really. I think it's a sensible attitude. The, 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 the content is the content. The platform that you distribute it on can easily be changed. But ultimately, if you're putting out a good product, if you're doing a good show, it doesn't really matter where people are watching it. I mean, are there still... And again, forgive my ignorance, I try and stay across as much as I can, but are there still people who are taking up streaming? Do you get the sense that it's kind of stagnating, that Twitch poker is no longer growing? I think it's still growing. I think obviously there was the rush when I was kind of in that rush of COVID hitting. So like, A, there was a lot more people consuming it because people were at home with more free time. Yes. And then there's the people like me that are like, hey, I can fire up a stream and see what happens. So I think there was the rush there and it makes sense that it kind of plateaus for a while. But I mean, if you look at numbers, I mean, the amount of viewers people get, you know, even looking at the PokerStars ambassadors, it's, it's crazy viewership when you really think about it. So I think there's still a lot out there and like the total numbers are good. And, you know, to expect it to grow at the same rate that was happening at like the peak COVID lockdown, I don't think is fair. But as long as it's steadily growing, um, I think that's like the biggest thing for the long term. Let's talk about the state of U.S. poker, because 
I'm sure you have the same questions thrown at you by the audience, David, that Joe and I get on a weekly basis. When will Pokestars be available everywhere? When will Americans be able to play with the global player pool? And I think the answer to those two questions is Can probably... I VPN in from New York? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's definitely a big no. But I think the answer to the other two questions is probably unlikely. But, I mean, how positive are you feeling right now about where things stand? Yeah. So obviously I'm extremely fortunate to be in one of the three states that poker stars yeah. can operate in out of 50 in the U S I mean, first of all, I'll talk about running good. That is running good right there. <laughs> um, so that's a huge win. Uh, as far as like long-term, I think for poker in the U S is still massive. It's just all live for the most part. So, I mean, the live tournament series are breaking records left and right. The entries are huge cash game rooms are full, but it's mostly happening in the live environments, um, especially over like the last decade. So I think that obviously the state regulated stuff is a good movement um, for the long term of online poker in the U.S. It just simply has to get more states in. It's, you know, it really is that cut and dry. It's great that we have the states that we do. Like I said, I'm very lucky to be where I'm at, but for it to really hit its potential and kind of capitalize on the popularity of live poker, it really needs to become popular in more places. And I really, really feel like it's a huge push also to make sure we're all in the same player pool because people love seeing big prize pools. They love seeing big lobbies with high stakes games going. And the more players that have that potential to play there, the better. So like for the long term of U.S. poker, I'm hopeful. Obviously, I'm hopefully optimistic, but it's really going to come down to getting more states in and hopefully getting the pools combined for it to reach its full potential. Speaking of stakes and player pools and all that, what stakes do you typically play if we were going to tune into your stream? What are you playing and what are your accolades so far? Like what are your proudest moments as a poker player? Yeah, so I'm primarily a cash game player. So I play No Limit Hold'em Cash. So the primary game I'm playing is 2-5. So 500 NL with a $500 buy-in and some 1-2, $200 with a $200 buy-in. Uh, biggest accolades for cash game players, it's always tricky, right? Tournament players will be like, oh, I won this big event or I won yeah. this one. Yeah. Um, but I would say for cash games, like I've just been very happy with like the win rates I'm having, consistently winning um, in some of like, not the absolute highest stakes available, but like kind of the next level below and kind of really holding my own in those. Um, as far as tournaments, uh, I did win the first ever Sunday high roller in Michigan, which was fun. Hey. So even though I'm not much of a tournament player. You know, I can win every now and then um, when I do play those. And, uh, you know, hopeful into the future, you know, kind of compete and do well in the Michigan Coop, the Michigan Scoop series. I really enjoy tournaments, but cash games is going to be my bread and butter. So hopefully kind of increase that tournament resume a little bit more as the years go on. Uh, how open are you about bankroll and, you know, your your graphs and all that? Is it all out in the open? How do you handle that? Yeah, so all my results are in the open. I have like a tracker that's going on when I'm playing cash games so that people can see how I'm doing on the day. I have like a yearly tracker so you can see my yearly results. Um, happy to show graphs and everything. I think that's been a huge part of my channel is someone that like me, that's super competitive. Like I want to put that out there. It, you know, it kind of like motivates me to, obviously you're motivated to win money. Like people want to win and stuff, but like, as you know, when you're putting yourself out there as a streamer, it motivates me to like work harder, have good results, you know, and it's always nice when, you know, someone tries to tell you you're terrible and you're like, you know, I'm not the best player in the world, but don't you know, make me tap the sign. Don't make me, yeah. don't make me put the graph up. Yeah. Don't make me put the graph up or put the command in. So um, I think, you know, that's been a huge part of my stream is trying to be very open with everything on the results. And then as far as like bankroll management, I want at least a hundred buy-ins uh, to play a cash game. So for hypothetically, if I'm playing a $500 buy-in game, I'd want my bankroll to be at least 50,000. Uh, there are tax considerations. I'm sure Joe's aware of how that works in the US here, but so when you win or lose, you're not winning or losing the full amount, but you know, it's just like more or less, it's a hundred buy-ins for any six max cash game I'm playing. All right. Very good. I wanted to talk to you. Uh, speaking of accolades, I spoke yesterday to a fellow named Jared Halter. 
Yeah, absolutely insane that he won that. That is crazy. Yeah, so tell us, why don't you tell the audience why I would be talking to Jared Halter and who he is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Jared's a fellow Twitch streamer here in Michigan. So he streams primarily tournaments on PokerStars Michigan clients, goes by Beam Doctor Poker. We'll get the little shout out here for him. Highly recommend following him. Great guy. Um, so the Platinum Pass series that's going on right now for the event that's going on in the Bahamas coming up in January, we've had a few free rolls. Um, going on. I unfortunately have not been able to win one, but Jared shipped one live on Twitch, which was absolutely crazy. Cool. And the time and the timing was great. So it was actually the same day that I was announced as a Poker Stars ambassador. So I had like some long 10 hour cash game stream. And then I sent the raid over to Jared when it's like five handed or less. And then I got to watch the rest of it. So not only did he win it, but like I got to watch the end live, which was really cool. And just like his emotion and excitement, like I was pumped. It was one of my favorite moments on Twitch and it wasn't even from my stream. It was really cool to watch. That's really cool. I appreciate that you have not managed to earn yourself a platinum pass, but regardless of that, any chance that you'll make it to the Bahamas if if not for the PSPC, then for the PCA? That would be hopeful. I've uh, also got to get on the step of getting my passport, which is something I have on my list of things to do. Wow, that's okay. the most American I I... thing he said so far. Holy shit, I know, doesn't exactly. have a passport. It took me a few minutes, but I made it there. I've been to Canada, but uh, in Michigan, they have this enhancement where if you live in Michigan, you can go to Canada. People always joke Michigan is Canada, and it's like that is like the perfect example. Like we can go there without a passport. <laughs> um, so eventually, I got to cut, uh, you know, check off a couple more countries on the uh, the passport there that I eventually need to get here very soon. But yeah, I'm hopeful to be traveling, hopefully to, at some point, you know, more international travel and, you know, especially checking in on the Poker Stars events for sure. What do you say we welcome you to the team with a, with a dumb game? All right, let's do it. <laughs> huh? You are you a James? Are you have you ever heard of a company in America called K Jewelers? Uh, yes. Every kiss begins with K. Every kiss begins with K. That's right. That's the name of the game this week. It's really just things that establishments that have uh, K in it. That's all for our friend David K here. It's a little trivia quiz based on K stuff. Are you ready, David? I am ready. Just All very right. quickly, do people actually sometimes think that you are David, just the letter K, kind of like a real kind of sort of, you know, statement name? Yes, absolutely. When I was growing up, most people told me they thought I had a crazy last name. So in America for college basketball, there's this uh, coach for Duke that is Mike Krzyzewski, but they call him Coach K. So everyone assumed I just had some, you know, long last name that people couldn't pronounce. But I'm like, no, like it's actually pronounced K. So. That's what we do in America. If you have a name that's too hard, we're just like, nope, you get the first letter. <laughs> exactly exactly all right here we go question number one in every kiss begins with k begins with k this international chain of stores sells such products as the froster and swirl and polar pop now, i've got a uh, multiple choice for you is that is it good i'm gonna need that k and g circle k kmart or kfc mm, circle k seems like the winner circle k is correct a Canadian oh. chain of convenience stores. Right. Question number two. Which of the following bands is not considered K-pop? Mm. BTS, Twice, Girls' Generation, A Little Bit of Soul. <laughs> mm. I'm going to go with A Little Bit of Soul. A Little Bit of Seoul is correct. <laughs> not a real K-pop band. Question number three. The gunfight at the OK Corral took place in which U.S. location? Is it Deadwood, Montana, Tombstone, Arizona, Dodge City, Kansas, 
Or Orlando, Florida. <laughs> We're going to go with Deadwood. Deadwood is incorrect, actually. That one was Tombstone. Tombstone, Arizona. The most important thing is, David, you did not say Orlando. <laughs> Although the idea of the gunfight, the only coke all taking place in Orlando is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I'm we sure might have had to cut... Cut the video right there. There's probably Frontierland OK Corral shootouts in Orlando, but question number four. I guess I should be keeping score. So right now you're two and one. Two and one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Question number four. There is some speculation about where the phrase OK comes from, but the most commonly agreed theory is that it stood originally for a Civil War shorthand meaning zero killed. The French phrase OK. K, a deliberate misspelling of the phrase all correct or the second half of the word book. Or go with the second half of the word book. Second half of the word book is incorrect. Apparently, it's some inside joke based on a misspelling of all correct being O-L-L-K-O-R-R-E-C-T. See, I heard a different background story that it was, I can't remember the exact story, but it's All's a business clear. owner. No, it was uh, it was a business owner. His initials were okay, and when he cleared a consignment, they would be stamped with his initials. Okay. That one was out there also. It was one of the choices I almost included. I, th honestly, I've looked this up multiple times in the past. It's the first time I ever read the all correct thing, but I saw it in multiple places. There have been okay. multiple books written on it. So I just went with the most, and, by, and I made the rest of them up. I, I, and clearly uh, no one knows for sure. Anyway, carrying on, two and two, tied game. Question number five, ooh, tied game, I like it. Which musical group released, I don't know if it's a group or an artist, to be honest, it might be one person, but anyway, which artist released the 1992 hip-hop hit, I Got a Man, which included such lyrics as, are you a chef because you feeding me soup? You know what they say about those who sweat they self. You might find yourself by yourself. I'm not waiting because I'm no waiter. Yeah, shocking they're not around 30 years later. Is it positive K, negative K, electric K, or neutral K? I'm going to go negative K. Positive K is what we were looking for. There. I got a man. What your man got to do with me? I got a man. You guys don't know that song? Okay, anyway. No. Question. Can't I don't really want to pay him any royalties. So if you could stop performing that, that would be it. amazing. Question number five of, excuse me, question number five of, I guess I only did six. That was question five. Question number you, six I've, of seven. I've got, Great. Yes. Two and three is the score. LK Manufacturing, spelled E-L-K-A-Y Manufacturing, started by father and son Leopold and Lewis Katz, is one of North America's leading producers of condoms, urinals, dildos, or Bibles. Mm, I'm going to go with urinals. Urinals is correct. Okay, well, this is very exciting because we now have a score of three and three and there is one last question to come. So this seventh and final question, David, will decide whether you have a winning score. Not that this quiz will have any bearing on anything ever. No pressure at all. No pressure at all. Final question. Which of the following is not an alternative name for the cat tranquilizer sometimes referred to as Special K? Is it? Which one is not? 
which one is not. Ketamine, Cat Valium, Kit Kat, Boo Boo Kitty Fuck. I'm gonna go with the last one is not. Boo Boo Kitty Fuck is not an alternate name for Ketamine, AKA Special K, David K. You barely squeaked out a victory here, but luckily there is nothing left to quiz you on about the letter K, so you'll never have to do this again. All right, I can end undefeated. That's good to know. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, David, it was great to meet you. Great to talk to you and hear your story. And hopefully we will see you on the live circuit at some point in the future once you've got your passport sorted. Yes, we'll get that taken care of. Good luck out there. Well, from online poker in the USA to live poker in the USA, Joe, remind us where you were again. I was at Hamul Casino. In uh, out in the desert, right, literally right next to Mexico. It was crazy looking at the GPS, how close to the Mexican border we were. Uh, it's on an Indian reservation in Southern California. And my plan was to go down there as a uh, w- to play a couple of events. One is a, a celebrity bounty, uh, which I kind of just write off. I ended up cashing that one. Uh, and I talked about it on the last episode. You did, yes. So the rest of the events I had planned on playing were a, a $200 buy-in, a $250 buy-in, and a $600 main event. Now, before I get into some of the specifics, I'll just say um, I, I ended up cashing that one event, and that's it. Um, I did make a few hands. Things are starting to pick up for me, at least, get a, bit, a little bit more interesting. I had some decisions to make, finally, in some hands. Um I, I had aces twice on the trip, kings twice on the trip, only uh, one of those hands that I win, uh, but I flopped two sets. Uh, I overplayed my sets, I'm not going to lie, both times I really overplayed my sets. Well, I shouldn't say overplayed. I, I didn't get much action on them, um, which I think is maybe just me sort of looking at things pessimistically. You know what I say, James, always bet your sets. I bet my sets in both cases, people fold the flop. What can I say? Um Still struggling in the draws department. Uh, I had no draws. Like uh, I, the only draws I made were hands that I kind of um, that we were all in. Luckily, um, but here we go. Here comes some some actual hand histories. This well, hold one, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Based on uh, your limited success yeah. at this event, has your backer Maria Ho cut you off yet? No, not at all. In fact, so one of the overall themes that I wanted to talk about, and what we'll get to in a minute, is that I realized that. I was kind of getting frustrated, not just with um, variants, but getting frustrated with the fact that, like, I feel like I'm a better poker player, or at least some of the knowledge that I have uh, that's been soaking in over the years isn't really shining through when I play. And I know this is going to sound a lot like, oh, I need to move up in stakes where they respect my raises, so I'm not going to say that. But what I am going to say is that I feel like some of the principles that would have maybe soaked their way in over the last couple of years, watching Scoop, watching WCOOP, watching Sunday Million, I don't think that all those principles necessarily apply to a $250 tournament uh, full of casino regs who are playing in the middle of the day on a Wednesday afternoon. 100%. 100%. And you can't look at that level of game and apply those concepts to something where sometimes tight is right. It's just the only approach. Correct. And so, you know, there are a lot of spots, and maybe you've heard me mention before, where, you know, someone bets super small on the river. And I think about if I were doing commentary on it about how, oh, you only have to be right this amount of time, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm no, past no. that point. 
But point when I'm believe, I, dare I say this, James? Dare I say this? I do think I need to do a little bit of studying if I'm going to keep playing these types of events about what the fuck to do when I have Queen Ten offsuit in the small blind and it limps four ways to me. Sure, but I think that's that's fine. I think a limited amount of study combined with a lot of practice in these type of events, I do genuinely believe will put you in really good stead for when you play the World Series of Poker main event next yes. summer because there are so many randos in that who are playing it just like they would play it's be a, a bit of a hybrid their local I would casino. Think, of, yes. of the two situations, right? Between the sorts of things we cover when we watch the EPT and, you know, these $250 midweek tournaments, you know, at a at a, a local casino, we'll call it. So, you know, I, I sat there going, damn it, I really do need to to study up a little bit on what happens when it limps four ways to me with various range of hands. And sort of I, I spoke with Maria about this. And so my first couple of my first tournament, I wasn't applying these principles yet. And she's just like, you should be raising your normal raising range. Yeah. But just I, I was I thought I was raising enough by three Xing or four Xing it. And she's like, if there's three limpers, five exit. If Absolutely. there's four limpers, six exit. So these are things that I didn't start applying until later on. And what I will say is that the one cool thing is that look, I still got bad beat. To, uh, for most of my chips in almost every tournament I played. However, when I got it in kings versus tens and lost, I had more chips in that situation than I normally would have because I'd been playing more aggressively up until that point, re-raising a little bit wider and a little bit bigger. And so when I lost kings versus ten, I wasn't out of the tournament. Uh, I still okay. I still had chips left. Granted, it was a few, but I wasn't out. Okay, let's get some specific hands then. Okay, sure. So this is beforehand. Now this is gonna this hand's gonna sound a little bit weird. I want you to tell me what you think, James. Um, obviously, mm. uh, Maria had a, a slightly d different opinion than we would. So we're we're nine handed. I have a thirty two thousand chips. Uh, I think the starting stack was twenty five. Uh, okay. So I've been doing okay. At, it's early on still. The blinds are 200, 400, 400. And it limps, limps to me uh, where I have uh, pocket jacks. Um, I'm in middle position. Um, I make it 1,800. So that's just like four and a half X the big blind. Yeah. Um, which, um, considering there's been a couple of limps, I don't think that's an unreasonable race size. You could go a little bit bigger even, but 1,800 I think is okay. I end up regretting it and thinking I should have gone a little bit bigger too. Remember, this is pre my conversation where I'm going to start making yes. my pre-flop raises bigger. The hijack uh, then makes it 7,800. Oh, God. Yeah. That's a really awkward stat, uh, race size because in your position... I don't feel comfortable calling with 7,800. You can't really make any raise that doesn't put you all in. So really, at this early stage, to me, you're already in a shovel-fold spot. Uh, yeah, So, which is what I thought also. So I'll, I'll just end the suspense. I fold. Um, and I think a lot I of people are going to go crazy with that and think that that's the worst option. I, um, I literally do not hate that move. So th my rationale being, and so one of the things that's cool is when I talk to Marie about these hands, she's like, I just want to know what your rationale is. 
And it, even if I don't necessarily agree with the decision, if your rationale is sound, it's it's not the worst. So my rationale is, look, I'm not I'm not I'm over past the days of trying to set mine right for that amount of money. So that's out. And I'm thinking to myself, anytime the flop comes ace, king or queen, I'm going to be super exploitable and I'm just going to fold. And then some of the times when it comes nine high, I'm going to be getting it in versus queens, kings and aces anyway. And that between those two factors, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to fold. Maria's assessment is that at this stage of the tournament, Jax is too strong to fold. It's perfectly okay to just call. And if you, yeah. And if you do. um, You're calling for nearly a third of your stack. Yes. So um, what her rationale is that it's early in the tournament and you're trying to accumulate chips. Um, that protecting that small profit I had made isn't as important as trying to get more chips and also is saying that um, because of the way the situation went, she doesn't think that that three betting range has to be very, uh, very narrow. Uh, Personally, and I think, and her not being there, I also had a, a, you know, a feel for this player and had seen the way they had played other hands. I think that they're mostly going to be, uh, to me, honestly, here's what I felt like. I felt like this is the raise that someone makes when they have jacks and don't want to see a flop. But I have jacks. So they probably don't have jacks. So I think it could very easily be just an old reg that does not want to get their kings or aces or queens cracked and just made it huge. I folded. I so- don't hate the fold, Joe. Uh, so that one was like, again, but that was before I was like, I, I probably would have raised bigger and then yeah. had a clearer decision if I got re-raised after that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Interesting first hand. Interesting first hand. Okay. I just had a couple of annoying hands after that. Just going to gloss over to get context, uh, which is that um, I had a, a, a right before a hand right before the break. I had pocket sevens. And I had two guys call me down on every street, and the board ran ran out. Queen ten four ten queen, and I got counterfeited and lost to Jack High to a guy who oh. had Jack nine for a straight draw. Oh, that's and I gross. and I lost like thirty k in that hand. Um, so now I'm down to twelve k, and uh, the blinds are uh, are only slightly bigger now. I think it's uh, it's it's three six six now. Okay. Uh, so I got like 20 big blinds and the f- I had ace king of clubs on the button. Uh, it raises to me. I, I probably have more than 12K because I should be all in otherwise. Sorry. I, 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 my starting stack is wrong here. I think I have about 20K at this point. Um, I three bet ace kings, ace king of clubs. I get called only in one spot by, uh, by the same guy who counterfeited me in the big blind. And the flop came... Uh, f- four club club. I missed the flop, but I have two clubs. Uh, so I bet pretty big on the flop. Uh, brick the turn. It's like seven. It's like an eight high board or something right now. Bet pretty big on the turn. Get called again. River is another brick. I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. And in this spot, I give up all the time. I have not gone broke on a bluff um, ever in recent history, right? I'm just never bluffing in this spot. I usually just check fold. I decide, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to finish this story. 
I bet pot on the river, and I get called by uh, Jack Four of Clubs for a flopped bottom pair and a missed flush draw, and apparently... <laughs> Oh, gross. Apparently, I am just the biggest tellbox in the world telegraphing the fact that I have ace king with the with the king of clubs. So that's how I that's more or less how I go out of the first tournament. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm tilted, obviously. What was cool is that there was a guy sitting next to me who was like, oh, yes, couldn't run down the old jack four. Um, and I wonder if there was a little jack four magic in there, but. I'm getting impatient. When is the angle shoot coming? Okay, we can we can skip right to the angle shoot if you want. Okay. Um Angle shoot hand was uh, w- was pretty incredible. Let me see if I can scroll to it here because I have a bunch of things. Uh, I did have a good hand where I called light uh, because I realized there were missed straight draws, which is something I almost never do. I almost always fold. This was this whole trip was about me sort of like doing things I don't normally do, um, including ripping it in more than once uh, with with air and getting called both times. Um, but I. Now I feel like I might have overcorrected that, so I'm just trying to figure out to do some things that I don't uh, don't normally do. All right, that wasn't everyone loves the chop pot. That was very annoying. Getting it in ace king versus ace jack and chopping. Uh, okay, here we go. So angle shoot uh, happened at uh, 200, 400, 400, and right. all that really matters. We don't have to go through the whole the whole hand. All that really matters is I have value for once on the river. And in this particular casino, the 5K chips are gray with purple siding on them. And right. the 500 chips are purple with gray siding on them. Okay. So I go to bet. Sorry, I have a weird two pair. It's like a big blind special. I have like eight four on like a four eight king seven deuce board. Okay. So we're on the river. You've got two pair. I've got two pair. And uh, I'm first to act uh, because this was a big blind special. And I, what I put out is a gray chip with purple siding on it and three black chips for what I think is 800. But, but it's actually, you've bet 5,300. 5, yes. And the action goes around to the to the play uh to player across the table all the way across the table and the player says how much is that 800 and both me and the dealer go yes and then the deal so then the guy flicks out 800 and the dealer spreads my chips and sees that it was actually 5300 and the dude's like well you told me it was 800 and I'm just like call the floor Call for because I don't want to win fifty three hundred off this guy in technicality if I don't have to. Just to be clear, when the de- when the player asked for clarification of the bet size before the de- before the dealer spread, the dealer said eight hundred. He didn't say eight hundred. the The player said, "Is that eight hundred?" And we both said yes. Okay, so basically, the dealer confirmed a bet of eight hundred to the player. Yes. Okay, I don't know what the floor is going to rule here. But I firmly believe that the dealer made a mistake in not checking your chips and not checking your bet size before confirming with the player that it was a bet of 800. I don't think it should cost that player any more than 800 chips. So what ended up happening was that they said that in some places they'll let you just surrender the 800 and that you and and that's it. In this particular case, they made the ruling that he had that it was a call. Uh, I think it's a terrible, terrible call. By the way, 
if you had just said yes yeah. and the dealer hadn't said anything, that's different. If the dealer confirms without checking, that's on them. That's their mistake. So, okay. And if I'm the player in that spot and I'm being getting confirmation from the dealer so, right. that it's a bet of 800 and that information is incorrect, I should not be so, forced to pay 5000 So when I say the dealer said yes, I thought the dealer said yes. The dealer, what the dealer said was, no, I went to go spread his chips, and before I could, you threw your chips in there. I definitely said yes, Joe Stapleton said yes. Okay, so that's different. If you are saying yes, and the dealer hasn't verified it, then um, it's, it is a tough one. I, 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 I actually believe that because you made that mistake, and I imagine that if they'd asked you, you would have been very honest and said you meant to bet. 800? Yeah. I think it should have gone as 800. I, I'm not a fan of the ruling that the floor has made in this yeah. case. It, I, as, I, I appreciate it benefited you, but I actually think it was an honest mistake on your part. Um, he asked for clarification whether he got that just from you or from the dealer. Um, it seems to me that he believed it was a bet of 800. Yes, of course. And that's why, it, that's why he called. Um, I kind of feel this player was hard done by. Yeah, no, and I felt bad. I felt really, really bad, and I offered to buy the guy a drink or buy him lunch or whatever. He didn't take it. It doesn't. It didn't matter, James, because his his rage, his rage at this uh, per- perhaps injustice and certainly an accidental angle shoot on my part uh, worked out for him because a few hands later he had pocket kings and I had ace ten and the flop came ace high and he called me down on every street and rivered a king. Uh, I think because he was so tilted. Hashtag karma is real. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so that's how I more or less went out of the the second tournament. Uh, was that way? Now I do have. Here's here's probably the most interesting hand I play. This will be the last. Okay, one let's talk end about. on a high then. Let's end on a let's end on a really interesting meaty hand. Okay, so I had uh, run up a pretty decent stack in this final event that I was playing, the main event, I'd run up a pretty decent stack. I have 24,000 chips. Blinds are at 300, 500, 500. Uh, A woman in middle position opened uh, to 1K. I have eight, nine of clubs on the button. Uh, I decide that I want to see a flop. And the big blind also comes along for the ride. Okay. The flop is 10-7 queen, uh, no clubs, but I do have an open-ended straight draw. And the original Razor uh, bets 2,000. I call the big blind calls. The turn is a three. Now, I'll say this. Immediately, I was thinking maybe I should raise there with the 8-9 of clubs. Queen high flop, open-ended straight draw. N- not a lot of showdown value if I get there and I miss everything. Uh, but So I, I already am like, you know what? Maybe I should raise here, but I didn't. Uh, turn is a three, so I've missed again. Now the original raiser bets 4K again. I call again, and the big blind calls again. The river is a five. So I've missed everything. I have nine high. And now the original razor who had been checking, sorry, who had been betting the whole time, checks to me. Which you see as weakness. I see as weakness, and I also see as a weakness in my game that, again, I don't ever bluff in these spots. 
Um, I always just check behind here, lose with nine high. Now I've just given away half my stack trying to chase this straight draw, which I'd never hit. So I'm like, you know what? Let's try it again. Let's try this again. I'm all in. Uh, so it's, you know, it's about a pot sized all in. I think I'm all in for. And just to be clear, you've got a missed straight draw. So effectively nine high. Nine high. Yes, I have nine right. high. Um, and I'm like, I'm just always so weak in these spots. I just always check fold. I'm always out of the tournament because I have no chips left because I never make a hand and I never do anything to sort of try to accumulate chips. So I rip it in. And the big blind tanks. I have a theory. Yeah. I think the big blind either has a 10 or a weak queen. And you could argue that either of those hands is a bluff catcher. And I've got a horrible feeling because this is Joe Stapleton telling me the story that they decided to catch your bluff. Buddy, I mean, you nailed it. You nailed it. The guy tanks for like a minute and eventually makes the call. The guy in the big blind has queen eight and calls me with top oh, pair. Wow. Eight kicker. And uh, I am left with uh, like three or four thousand chips. And the next hand, the way, I get it in kings. I get in with kings in the next hand into aces. And I'm out oh, of the tournament. Oh, the, the, the one thing I will say, that is a very surprising call because, again, I know how you feel about blockers, but with queen eight, you're blocking the missed straight draws there, which means it's more likely that you're shoving with a value hand. So that is a big call with queen eight. It is a big call, yeah. So, you know, and um, I decided not to re-enter after that. Um, I wasn't sure if I was playing more aggressively or recklessly at that point. I, it's two times over the course of the week that I decided to bluff shove a river and two times that I got snapped by pretty weak holdings. And so I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm not going to dust off another buy-in in this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to um, lick my wounds, reassess and maybe readjust some things. Maybe I've overcorrected in some spots, or maybe not. Maybe it's just, again, maybe that's just variance in the other direction, aggression variance, as opposed to passive variance, which I'm used to. And in summary, what was Maria's general analysis of your play? I mean, obviously, we heard her thoughts on the Jack's hand. Um, outside of that, was she generally impressed, or did she have notes that you can, you know, room for improvement, should we say? It was hard to say because I lied about a lot of them to make myself look better, so I'm not really sure... <laughs> I'm not really sure if um, <laughs> how, what she thinks of the way I really played the hand. Um, no, in general, she had notes for each of the things. She goes, oh, I would have made it a little bit more here, or I would have done this there. Um, but that final hand, she actually didn't really have uh, that much of an issue with it. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, these are all things that I am trying to now... You know, it's hard to know how much of what to use in, in each particular situation, and I do think without being typical whiny sour grapes joe i do yeah. think that both times that my my big river plays got called i could have gotten a fold it wasn't yeah, the worst spot ever Agreed. um and i think that it, again you can make fun of me if you want for this but like i do think based on it being me um, I don't think the guy with Jack Four called because he was me, but the guy who called in the big blind is like a guy that needles me quite a bit online and 
and you know in person and i think that I there think was a little bit of joe stapleton i can i can snap off joe stapleton absolutely here. The, yeah. the, the 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 equity of that call is massively increased by the i've got a great story to tell about how i stacked joe stapleton yeah. i mean a hundred percent i see that i see that um cool well i look forward to more um stories from the road and more strat talk in the run-up to your World Series adventure next summer. Uh, before we get out of here, Joey, let's try and give away some prizes, shall we? Let's do it. Well, let's welcome this week's superfan to the podcast, Alfie Bripotra. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Alfie Bripotra sounds kind of like the direct-to-video knockoff version of Harry Potter. Alfie Bripotra. <laughs> or a spell. Alfie Bipatra, twist and flick. Okay. <laughs> Wingardium Leviosa. Okay, I'm going to get killed. This is, uh, this is what <laughs> I want to bring up first, okay? Is that I did rewatch Harry Potter, and uh, I yeah. hadn't seen it in, in 21 years, apparently, because that's how long ago it came out. And I paid attention, and I could name a lot of stuff from the movie, but people who are Harry Potter fans are really Harry Potter fans. I want to reassure you, Joe, yeah. because I have had a sneak peek at Patrick's quiz. I have not seen this movie, and I'm going to conservatively estimate for three years, and I got every single question right without the multiple choice options, and I got all the bonuses. So I'm expecting from two people, one of whom's a fan of the movie and one of whom saw it very recently, I'm expecting a very high-scoring game. I'm hoping this comes down to the tiebreaker. Alfie, are you one of those people that like could just name every single thing about Harry Potter from memory? I used to be that kind of fan. It's been a few, it's been a while, but yeah, it should should be okay. All right. Well, should tell be. us a little bit more about you, Alfie. Yes. Sure. Uh, so I recently got made redundant. Finished my contract. Ooh. I was a business uh, business analyst. There, seventy five people go. Um, what I was doing there was basically fixing the attrition rates, and right now, yeah, just kind of applying and. Yeah, well, good luck to you. Tough times right now. Um, I Fix, mean, I'm sorry, fixing what? Attrition. So, like, um, oh. uh, the company hadn't grown in six years. So, oh. it was always 60,000 people. And my job was trying to find out why the company wasn't growing, um, what, why people. And your being report made. said me, Alfie Bripatra, and then they let you go. <laughs> no, I finished the contract and then. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I appreciate that's going to be your primary focus right now is, is getting back out there and, and finding a new job. What else do you do in your time? I play poker. I watch you guys on Mondays. Right now, I'm watching the football. I just watched Japan beat Germany, which is a big shock. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I watch you guys every Monday. This is how I found out about this. And yeah, I play poker stars. And I think I've met Joe as well. Uh, we went once. So we were playing together at the UK IPT. I think I said... Uh, you ages ago in April, and I said to you, "I'll come say hello." And I said hello to you in Kipujo and Casino. Was I, I nice? Remember. Yeah, you were nice. Okay, you were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're we're all as shocked as you are. Um, <laughs> so, are you mainly a live player, Alfie? Both. I, I play online as well. Cool. Uh, well, obviously, we're going to give you the chance to win a Sunday Million ticket in this Harry Potter-themed quiz. Uh, as ever, we let you go first. So, please give me a number between one and ten. I go always coming seven. Always coming seven for your first question. Who directed the movie? And to be 
Kvet, we're talking about the first in the series, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone slash Sorcerer's Stone, depending on what side of the Atlantic you're from. So that first Harry Potter movie, who directed it? Chris Columbus. For two points, you're on the board. I know we talked about it being a different title in the US and the UK, but did we talk about why? Um, I think the publisher, it comes from the books, right? Right. And I believe the publisher was concerned that American kids would be put off by a book with philosopher in the title. Yes. Whereas sorcerer sounded <laughs> scarier and sexier. Correct. Okay, moving on. Great. Wonderful. Yay, America. Uh, what question would you like, Joseph? Question two, please. Question number two, which is the first of the questions with a bonus, and I'll make hey. sure the bonuses balance out. Okay. okay. What is Hagrid's first name? I don't know. And the choices. Is it Rubius, Severus, Alfred, or Draco? It's not Draco. Can you read me the first two again? Rubius and Severus. Why didn't you guys quiz me on what fucking Hagrid's first name was? All right, someone just cheated and yelled the answer to me. So yeah, I'll just take a zero on that one. I was going to say Rubius. Do you know what, Joe? I'm going to give you a point because I think if you're struggling with that question, you're probably not going to perform well in this. Uh, you will get the bonus question, therefore. Which actor plays Hagrid? That is Robbie Coltrane. And that gives us oh a Oh, my tight God. Game. That reminds me. There are so many fucking dead people in this movie. Everyone in this movie is dead. There's a lot of great actors who've passed away since. But as you referenced at the start, Joe, the movie is now 21 years old. Yeah. A lot's yeah. happened yeah. in two decades. Uh, for your second question, where would you like to go on the board, Alfie? Let's go. Let's go nom nom. Eight. <laughs> the snowmen's. Yeah. Question eight. What chess piece does Ron jump on during the giant chess game? Knight. It is a knight for two points. Joe, you're up. I, for the record, I would have known those other two. Question nine. Let's go nine. Question number nine. What is the name of Harry's pet owl? That one is Hedwig. That is Hedwig for two points, and there is a bonus attached. So you've had two questions with bonuses. Yeah. So that means the next two questions I give you, Alfie, will be the other two questions with bonuses. So that the, all balances no out. No more choosing for you for now. What okay. breed of owl is Hedwig? Uh, he's a Norwegian Ridgeback. <laughs> Is that your serious answer? I don't, I don't know what fucking breed of owl that... Why did we, why did you ask me what breed of owl it was? Careful, don't give me the answer no, again. I already said I don't know it, it's fine. Uh, the answer is snowy. Snowy, yeah. So it is a tied game, but Alpha, you now get the two other questions with bonuses, starting with Bonai. question four. What is the surname of Harry's aunt, uncle, and cousin? Petunia. Oh, oh, Dursley, Dursley. I'll give you one point. I'll give you one point. You get your mulligan. Careful. Okay. Be careful. And that means you do get the bonus, the name of the road they live on. Four Privet Drive, Little Wingy. Okay, I asked you just the name of the road. You gave me too much information, but that makes up for your mistake just now. Sorry, the so, road okay. wasn't called Four, so I think we might have to... Uh, that was the first thing he said was Four. <laughs> okay. So Joe, you're up, and you're behind by two points right now. Okay. Uh, is question one left? Question one is available. What right. birthday does Harry celebrate at the start of the movie? His 11th birthday. He does for two points. Tied game. But Alfie, you get question six, which is the last remaining bonus question. 
What subject does Professor Quirrell teach at Hogwarts? He teaches defense against the dark arts. He does for two points, and the bonus is, what secret is he hiding? He has Voldemort hiding here. He does, um, he's got Voldemort yeah. at the back of his head. Yeah. Oh, ridiculous, but at the same time, really creepy and effective. Uh, Joe, three, five, or 10? I'll go with three, please. What year was the novel first published? Ooh. I don't know. I gotta throw a flag on this one. The goddamn. It's about the movie Harry Potter. 1998. Oh, so close. It was 1997. Uh, for your last question, Alpha, you can have five or ten. Let's go five. What is the name of the three-headed dog guarding Fluffy. the Philosopher's Stone? Fluffy. That gives you two points. And Joe, question 10. What animal or what type of animal does Harry speak to at the zoo? A snake. It is for two points, which means you scored eight. Respectable. But with 11 points, Alfie, even if I hadn't given you the point or the bonus for Privet Drive, you still would have won. Congratulations. You are a champion. Woo! <laughs> so you are going to get the Sunday Million ticket. You are going to get some Pokestars merch and we'll be in touch to get your details. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thanks, guys. It's great to meet you guys. Thanks, Alfie. Nice to meet you again. All right, my babies. That's just about all the time we have got for this week. It's almost, almost all the time we have got for this year. Yeah. Couple more episodes to go coming up next week. It's the penultimate show of the year. Poker Movie Monday, recorded on a Wednesday, released on a Thursday. We've been talking about it for months. We're going to watch the 2022 film Poker Face. I kind of feel we have to do this now. It's a movie of the moment. It's on demand in most places in the world. It's on Sky Movies in the UK. So let's talk about it while it's current, while it's relevant, with not Russell Crowe. We did not get Russell Crowe, but I haven't given up on Russell Crowe yet. It doesn't. I don't think we're going to get him, but I'm just going to occasionally just drop a little tweet here and there. James, if I have to, if I just get Russell Crowe on Skype for 10 minutes, I'm just going to jump on with him, all right? Of course. Absolutely. Okay, uh, but, so we don't have Russell Crowe, but we did get a, a, a prolific poker player movie reviewer. If you guys remember, online legend Pearl Jammer. If you guys remember him, his name's John Turner, and he, in his Twilight, I don't know if Twilight's the right, his his poker career Twilight, has uh, become uh, like a, a fairly well-known movie reviewer on Letterboxd, has like a popular Letterboxd account and does very in-depth, thought-out reviews and showed me his review for The Card Counter, what I thought was quite legitimate and quite interesting and i was like this guy's got some good takes on movies so john turner is gonna be here next week he'll be talking about poker face with us our super fan is barry ingram he's quizzing me on tommy boy this is a, a top 10 movie for me not like top 10 favorite movies but a movie i've probably seen more than 90 percent of other movies Okay, I would say that normally the protocol would be that if we're doing a Poker Movie Monday, that becomes the subject of the Superfan Quiz. Right. Because Barry was already booked in, because this is a late addition to the editorial schedule, I'm not going to change it. So 
Be aware, Poker Face will be up for grabs as a future superfan subject if Russell Crowe-directed poker movies are your bag, baby. I mean, I don't know if they are yet or not, luckily. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm looking forward to it. I am going to watch it on Thursday evening. I'm deliberately, deliberately putting it off because I don't want to leak or spoil my thoughts on the movie before we record next week's podcast. Plus, if we just miraculously get Russell Crowe, I'd rather talk to him before I see it based, <laughs> based on some of the things that I've heard about it, just, just uh, in case. Based, based on the fact, and it's just the law of averages, right? Most movies that are based around the world of poker are pretty shit. Not great. There, Not great. there are a few which outperform and hopefully this is one of those uh, by the way you should highlight that if you do want to apply to be a super fan on the podcast you should go to the pokestars discord server link in the podcast description joe do that go there for your super fan applications for comments for questions try to get a little discussion going in fact no spoilers about poker face until after we talk about it on the episode though but I will say, if you want to give your general thoughts on the movie before we record next week's show, we'll make you part of that episode. So it won't just be you get the thoughts of James, Joe, and John Turner. You can also have your mini review, providing it doesn't contain any spoilers, voiced on next week's podcast. Perfect. I love that. All right, my babies, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.